Listener Production. Hi, 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 hi. Hello. Yes, hi. Oh, I see you over there. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Stop, stop, stop. Thank you guys so much. Welcome to Come Out Wherever You Are. This is a safe space for curious people to learn more about the coming out experience. So, congratulations. You are now a part of this beautiful community. And because this is a podcast about the coming out experience, it is only fair that I go first. My name is Sean Zepps. I am a gay man. I use he, him pronouns. I first came out in early 2000. And I most recently came out, that's so boring. I I feel like I say this all the time, but I did come out in an Uber uh, less than 25 hours ago. They always want to think I have a wife. And I'm like, look at my fucking hair, Brad. Today, we are welcoming a brand new member to the Come Out Wherever You Are family, Art. Art, can you introduce yourself? Let us know when you first came out and when you last came out. Yes, well, my name is Art Simone, fabulous drag queen from Melbourne. Um, My pronouns in drag are she, her, out of drag, basically still she, her, because I'm always a drag queen these days. (laughs) Um, I first came out probably when I was around 15 years old to Mother Dearest. Um, Clearly, she wasn't very surprised. Um, And then I uh, went downstairs the next day and she said, I've already told everyone, so don't worry about it. Um, (laughs) And I was like, oh, you stole my mum and mother! Um, And the last time I came out was to my mother again, but it was to come out as a a drag queen because I haven't really had to come out post that ever since, but that was probably the last time when I said, Mum, I'm a drag queen. I want to be a drag queen all the time. She said, all right. (laughs) If you've watched Drag Race Down Under, you already know Art Simone. She was a fan favorite on the first season of the show in 2021, where she placed runner-up. And this season, she's actually back hosting Kick-Ons, where she and fellow drag queens recap and gossip about each episode. If you're a super fan, you might feel that you already know who Art is, but who's the man under the wig? We're going to find out. Here's Art. I have always wondered, and I didn't know if it was like strangely offensive to the gender and sexual coming out process, but there are 100% jobs usually performance jobs, but also sex work jobs, specific jobs where people have to actually like muster up the courage to tell the people of their lives that this is what I do. Because it's so monumental, especially Mm -hmm. someone like you who lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people know. But before we get there, before we get to the nitty gritty sexy stuff, I am interested in one thing you said at the very beginning, which is when you came out, she said, and you were like, yeah, duh, obvious. So I'm interested in like the art growing up. When you think back to that time, were you just like the performer, the ham, the, is that why you mean like people weren't yeah. really shocked? Yeah, I mean, I'd put on magic shows for my family. I wanted to be a magician at one stage. Um, you know, there's plenty of all those photos of me wearing my sister's ballet clothes. I went to every ballet class that she did. I wasn't allowed to do the ballet, but I would watch every day. And I became best friends with her like ballet teachers so I could um, at least help out in the concerts and things. Um, but... Yeah, I was always a lot, um, they tried to like push me like that that creativity into like music and push that into um, other areas that were deemed a bit more, um, you know, with the grain. Sport, never, never, ever. But um, yeah, but then I got really into like debating because I loved talking. So I was like the debating captain. So always been a bit of a show pony. 
bit too much if you're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know early on, you're like, I am different than every other boy? Yeah. Oh, completely. But I don't think initially I saw that as like a negative thing. It was just like, oh, this is how, what I am. These are my interests. And I was pretty, pretty supported to, you know, as, as much as they could. But I do remember actively being like, oh, this is um, Sandra and she's my best friend, so I must really have a crush on her. She must be my girlfriend. Yes. And then I think back on that in later years and be like, wow, you really did have no idea, love. <laughs> like, <laughs> you were literally out there being like, this must be how it works. This must be how they make babies. They just say, I like you. Let's hang out and go to the movies. <laughs> I don't know enough about, well, I don't know enough about Australia because I'm American, but I also just don't necessarily know a ton about how accepting or not accepting different parts of the world were. When you think back to the time of your childhood where you are this like artistic, creative individual, is that a thing that's supported at school? Is that a thing that's supported by like family? I mean, it was for me, but I, it, it depends where you grow up in Australia, whether you're really far out regional and rural or whether you're in, you know, metropolitan Melbourne, which I was. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I mean, I made best friends with all the school teachers, so I was I was supported, um, but definitely didn't like anything to do with sport or anything macho esque. Um, you know, I never really got along with the men in my family except for my grandfather, but that's because he'd let me go on the computer and do projects because I was that boring. Mm. So yeah, I, I was very lucky. I didn't get much adversity or, or um, negative things thrown my way. You know, just the old comment here and there from like kids at school, but I think that was just more because they were, like, scared of me. <laughs> like, I think, they're like, we don't understand you, you're weird, yeah. which, you know, I really did scare them in my lighter years because I was really into scary horror, horror things and I'd dress up as spooky women and they'd be like, oh, let's just not touch that. Let's just If it wasn't the performance, it was the debate. Like, they were going to oh. come for you no matter yeah, I was what. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, let's do it. I'm going to be the first affirmative and I'm going to attack you. Let's go. Yes. So when you realize that you were probably gay, I'm guessing. Who was the first person you decided to tell? Was it a friend? Was it a family member? Yeah, I, from memory, it was one of the girls at my school who I thought was my girlfriend. And we um, we went on one date together to see the corpse bride. And we held hands and then decided that wasn't for us. So we just kept being best friends. Um, I remember coming out to her and she was kind of my one person that we I'd just chat to about it all. But then it went from her to mum because, you know, mum's my everything. So, mm. you know, I had to let her know. Plus, um, I don't know if you've heard of Minus 18, the oh, yeah. um, organization. They used to run these really fabulous dance parties for underage kids during the school holidays where they could go out and meet, you know, other queer people and just be themselves in a space. And it'd be great because you'd be like, they'd take over like a club, but there'd be no, no booze, just like nonstop lemonade and like the sugar highs for everyone. So we'd walk up to the bar and be like, I'd love another raspberry lemonade, please. <laughs> While you're trying to chat up like a cute boy. And I really wanted to go to one of them. Um, I'd kind of found an online community through Minus 18 because I used to have forums where you could chat to other kids. It was really wonderful. And I was like, I have to go to one of these, I have to go to one of these. And you can't just like leave your house when you're 14 years old or 15 years old. Your mum wants to know where you're going, so I'm the worst liar in the entire world. So I was like, I'm just going to have to tell her. Mm. And that's how she found out. I said, Mum, I want to go dancing with the gay boys. Come on, Mum, let's do it. And how did she react? <laughs> she was honestly fine. I think, you know, I've got a, um, some uh, queer family members, but I think that almost hindered um, my coming out to a degree because 
she'd seen how society had treated them and she'd seen issues that um, they'd had to um, face. I think mum then just instantly projected her fears onto me. I remember her saying, like, are you sure? Are you sure? Because, you know, I don't want you, like, I just want you to be sure because of so-and-so and so-and-so, insert people's names. You know, it's been really hard for them and I don't want you to jump the gun. Like, are you mm. sure? Um, and I was like, darling, of course I'm sure. She's like, I know, but I'll just have to ask. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's actually really interesting. I have never heard that before. Like, a lot of people who come out are born into an environment where there just aren't any queer people around at all. And mm -hmm. so the only thing that our parents or grandparents have to grasp onto is like HIV or AIDS. It's like mm -hmm. truly just like the oh, worst that, headlines. That was her first fear, you know? Mm. And even over the years, it's taken a lot of me educating her about everything because she's just seen what's been spewed up to her in headlines and this and that. And she's also from a different generation with Grim Reaper ads. So sure. it's been really interesting teaching her about everything and how wonderful and, um, you know, absorbent she has been with everything. Like, she's willing to find out as much as she can. It's really great. And one thing that kind of jumped out to me is oftentimes a lot of questions are projected and people forget that the person that it's being projected to is 14 or 13 mm -hmm. or 15 yeah. or 16. So, like, the questions that are being asked are so large. Like, I was the same age as you. I'm coming out. I hear the same questions. Like, are you sure one? Whatever. I mean, you can ask me that, I guess. Is it a phase? It's like, blah, blah, blah. Very boring. But the bigger questions about, like, you know, life's going to be really hard. And, like, are you prepared for that? I'm 14 years old. I still have pimples like all over my nostril. <laughs> I haven't even lost my virginity yet. Like being, you know, being a kid is really yeah. hard. And the weight of all those questions that come down on a small child in many ways are bigger than they're capable of answering. It's like, you go do your own research and come back to me later, please. Yeah, it's a lot to handle. But I think a lot of it just went over my head at the time. I was like, anyway, so, you know, so can I go to the party? <laughs> I'm going to go please. to the party again. <laughs> Will you pick me up, please? Thank you. <laughs> It sounds like you guys are really close. Has that yeah. always been the case? Yes, always. Mum's my everything. She's gone through a couple of partners. She's, you know, but we've always been so strong. She is my champion. She's my sounding board. She comes to all my gigs. She sells my merch at merch tables. Yes. She, like, is just absolute queen. Um, she used to come to my first drag shows. She'd drive me to them um, in the club, and she would um, end up... <laughs> all these, like, lost queer boys would come up to her and just, like, she'd be this sounding board for, like, you know, them projecting all their feelings and emotions. And mum's just, like, sitting in the corner being like, yes, come here. <laughs> <laughs> but she has always been such a champion. She's taken a while, you know, with some of my bigger decisions, as in I want to be a drag queen now, I want to do art subjects now, you know. And it's always just been her being like, you know, I just want the best of you mm. and I want you to succeed. I don't want... You know, everything is always, I don't want you to live the life that I've led. Um, I want you to learn from the things, that the mistakes I've made. But, you know, once we got over those things, I would go to, like, do my show on a Friday night. And I didn't drive at the time, and we lived, like, an hour out of, um, an hour away from the club. So I'd take the train in, do my show that night. She'd drive and pick me up at 3 a.m., drive me an hour home by 4 and then she'd drive an hour back in the city and start work at 5 a.m. Every oh single goodness. every single Saturday morning, she would do that just because she wanted me to succeed. So she is a champion. She's my Ooh. favorite. We love mom. The reason I'm asking, other than I'm really interested in the relationships that you have, especially for most of us, the coming out moment is to our parents. And it's usually to the one that's you know we're closest with. And I would say, arguably, 
most of the people on the show really zero in on their mother, right? Mm-hmm. It's the person who brought us into the world and you really want them to love and accept you. Um, and the conflict that occurs, whether it be uh, empathetic and understanding, there's still conflict. It's They have lots of questions for you. You just want them to love and accept you. Uh, two, acceptance can be quite long. Um, and I find that really powerful and beautiful. I'm interested in what did you think was going to happen? Was there fear attached to that? I mean, in that time period, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, it's not like we're celebrated when we come out of the closet. It's still kind of like, uh, eh, oh, bummer, that's going to be tough for you. Did you have a worst case scenario in your head? Were you worried that your mom might not accept you? I I think we're... I... I think I knew deep down it was always going to be fine, but that doesn't um, eliminate any of the stresses that you have and the anxiety going into it. But I think I was more worried about the flow-on effect of other people knowing or other people finding out. Um, you know, are you going to tell the, my grandparents? Are we going to tell this person? Do we have to tell this person? And I think it was the, the most, you know, the scary thing was, right, this is the first step, which is going to be a roll-on effect for all those other things. But I think I knew I was going to be fine. I mean, I had family members that were queer and, you know, they'd come around for dinner all the time with their partner and everything. So I think deep down I knew I was going to be fine. But I was still very scared. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the things you said earlier on that shocked me, and I do not mean to project, but you said that your mother came out to everyone for you. Yes. (laughs) And I'm serious. Did you feel robbed? I think I did to to a degree, but then um, you know later after looking back, and I was like, that actually saved me so much trouble because I don't know for people that have had to do it. I you know sit down with multiple family members and be like, by the way, mm. I'm a homo. Um, I I kind of love that she she told everyone for me, and she was like, yep, and they're fine, and it's you know it's going to be great. We, but I worry. I, I wonder sometimes too if that was also just to save face and stop things being uncomfortable moving forward. It's like, yep, they know, so you don't have to talk about it. <laughs> like, yes. yeah. But I mean, I was kind of thankful. It was great because it did mean later down the track when I finally did get a boyfriend that they could come to family things mm. and there was no weirdness whatsoever about it. The only person that didn't know was my grandfather, which to this day still kind of upsets me. Um, my grandmother was very strict that he wasn't allowed to know because he just started getting sick and, um, you know, I... I guess they thought, you know, let's not kill him any any sooner. But I reckon deep down he would have been fine. Yeah. I mean, my family, like, has a conspiracy that he was queer all along anyway. So he's the only person, because he's the only male figure in my entire life that, like, fully supported me. Um, when I was young, I called him dad accidentally because he was always around. So he's the only person that I wish I got to tell. But mm. he was there every Christmas when my boyfriend was there, and he, and he loved my, my boyfriend at the time, and he was so wonderful to him, but it was just my friend. Just my friend. (laughs) The the juxtaposition of those two things are like seriously powerful. I actually think your mother, that is a beautiful thing. My mom came out to everyone for me and I'm sure on the other end of those phone calls, people weren't celebrating, Mm -hmm. but she told me that everything was fine. And then I got to, like being a child is hard enough. That's actually a really good thing. I, I wonder, I would love to talk to her about it again and find out actually what it was like, you know, if she did get any pushback on the other end or any meltdowns from my grandmother being like, oh, Life yes. is going to be so hard for us now. Oh, Jackie, why? I'm you should. <laughs> Honestly, one of the things that's come out from this show is a lot of the guests start this conversation. Not a lot of people ask you questions about your coming out story. Let's be honest. It's like mm. maybe once every like a million interviews you do. And then you start to think about it and you're like, I actually don't remember a lot. 
I am writing a book right now. And so I had to talk to my mom about it. And the story she's been keeping from me about the homophobic uncles, it's like, <laughs> oh, really? But it's it's beautiful. There's that strange exposition of it's beautiful that she's protecting you. And on the other side, they protected you from the possibility. You don't actually know that your grandfather was going to die because of the news. Yeah. Parents just try to do the very best they can, but it's still sad. I don't know. Mm. I feel for you. Like, mm. you want everyone to know your truth. Yeah, yeah. And he, yeah, he's the only one in my family member who passed before we could tell him. And it was like, you mm. know, but I reckon he kind of knew. Sure. I, I mean, I like that he got to at least be around the boyfriend. He got to like, see it, whether he knew yeah. the nonsense or all. Exactly. He didn't see what's going on at the table, but that's all right. <laughs> the number of people of that generation who, like, to your face, like, <laughs> when I got married, I got a gift that said to you and your friend on the wedding day. I was like, you're still going to go as hard as you can? You still are going to convince yourself that we're friends? No. You Come on. I want you to think about it. It's more than that. We are more than friends and you are here to prove it. Oh my goodness. No. So you come out, you have a pretty accepting mother who comes out to everyone. This is really fantastic. Does this set you up for when you decided to become a drag queen? that you were more comfortable speaking your truth to your family? Or is it scary in a very different way? It's scary in a completely different way because this is now, you know, no longer about, I guess you could say it is to a girl. I was going to say it's no longer about my sexuality, but I mean, dra drag queens are, you know, live in gay bars. Well, they did at the time then. You know, mm. they weren't really on TV or in other um, facets of, of media. But it was a whole different type of scary because... You know, it was something that could impact my earning potentials and my my career and my, you know, it was like, I guess it's almost the same thing as when someone says they just want to be an artist full stop and they don't want to work in an office. Mm. Um, and I think, yet again, it was just scary because it was like, I was a very smart kid. You know, I was straight A's all the time. I was school captain. I was, my safe space was school. I loved school so much. So I think that's what my whole family had grown up with me doing and that expected me to be a crazy biomedical science rocket person who is just saving the world. And it was really scary to be like, no, I... Because it was kind of two coming out. There was one when I got to my final year of high school and I was such a nerd that I'd just done the National Youth Science Forum uh, camp where I flew to Perth and I went to science camp for two weeks with other yeah, nerds. And it's there that I realised I hate science. <laughs> like, I was... <laughs> I was Because I do, like, all this... Um, work placement in labs and do all these exciting experiences and stuff, but everything was white. The fluorescent tubes would make my head hurt. And I was like, I can't go into my final year of school with the trajectory to be in this uh, an environment like that. So I'm very lucky that I got to have that experience because on the side, I'd already started doing drag. I was doing drag when I was like 15, 16 and at this science camp too, because I, I went to that science camp as myself. I didn't come out, but I didn't say that I was straight. You know, mm. I made some friends there and it was great because for two weeks I could be whoever I wanted to be. And so there was like a big disco night and you got to play dress up. So I went as Frankenfurter and I was with like makeup and glitter yeah. and heels. And I just had this such wonderful experience that when I came back to start my final year of school, I was like, I can't do science. I can't do all these things. I really want to do um, art. And I'd already been doing it on the side. I've been taking all these crazy self-portraits of myself. So me being a little nerd went up to um, my art teacher, well, the art teacher at the school, and I said, here's what I've been doing. You know, I am really good at science. And I can get a great ATAR score and blah, 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 get into uni. But here's the stuff that I really love. Am I actually good? 
because I won't change. If I'm actually not that good, I'm not going to bother. Mm. And she was like, oh my God, I have to have you in my class. You're amazing, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, so can you write a letter to my mom? <laughs> yes. So I can sit down with mom and have a letter from you that actually says I'm good. And then we can bring her around to let me swap out my subjects. You really did that? Yeah. You've always been business savvy. Yes. Because I was like, I need all the evidence and I need to show to her right now. Okay, I'm actually good. Teacher says I am, so let me change. And that was the first big, like, scary thing because, you know, mum freaked out at the beginning. You know, she kind of shut down that night and it took her a couple of days to come round, but she did. Um, And again, it was just her worrying about, you know, my earning potentials and she wanted me to be successful and rich and famous. And, you know, why would you say no to something that you're really good at and, you know, you can have a successful career? And, and mm. you know, to a degree too, I think she'd, I'd always just palmed off my, like, artistic things as a hobby. I was never allowed to do drama as a subject. So me being an overachiever, started a drama club at school. And so I could still have my drama classes, but they'd be out of school hours. Yeah. And that was fine with mum because it wasn't affecting anything. And then I was doing all my drag and makeup and stuff and, you know, on the side. And she was like, that's fine because you're still doing everything else. So I think it was a bit scary for her. But um, so I did that. And then end of the year, I got full marks for all my art subjects. All my work got put into the National Gallery of Victoria to show to the next year students. I'm an overachiever. Um, <laughs> Seriously. But like, that's because I also had a voice in my head because she was like, all right, well, if you're going to do it, you got to do well. Yeah, exactly. Be the best. Come on. Yeah. So... That was the first kind of coming out for that to at least push me into that trajectory of like an artistic world of what I was going to do. So I got out of that. I went, got straight into the VCA and I was studying at the VCA. In um, I did a full first year there. And then at the end of that year, I was like, this is not for me. This is not for me at all. I want to do drag full time because I was already doing drag on the side, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And that was the, the final time I had to sit down and be like, Right, so I'm going to drop out of university and just do drag full-time and her face. (laughs) Oh, my poor mum. She had already had to process you being an artist and now bam. Oh, she's like, first you go, then you're an artist, and now you want to be a drag queen? No, she's fine. Um, And that was really tough as well because it was, yet again, it was like, well, I thought you were going to be this and now you're that. Like, are you going to be able to earn any money? Are you going to be able to do, like, how are you going to support yourself? You want to move out of home. How can you do that when you're, performing for 50 bucks, like, but yet again, she said, all right, then, well, just be good at it. And here we are. So it's funny how similar all of them are. I know they're not because one is obviously sexuality and another one is a career, but like the constant concern for your happiness. Yeah. It's only ever come out of like wanting for me to have the best Mm. and wanting me to succeed. And I'm kind of glad to a degree that she projected some of her fears onto me because I look back at myself as a teenager and I was too confident. You needed to be smacked down. Yeah, I was like, I was so blindly confident. I don't care what anyone thought of me. And I don't know where that comes from because I'm not like that at all. But um, I'm kind of glad that she did at least show me another side of the coin. Mm. And while she didn't push so hard that I wasn't able to do what I wanted, at the end of the day... Mum's always going to let me do whatever I want to do. But I'm glad that at least I got to have a taste of what other people may think or, you know, give me another side of the argument so mm-hmm. I can actually just think about it. Because otherwise I just would have been like, yep, doing this, doing this, doing this without any extra thought to go into it. Mm. Yeah, she's good egg. I love her already, I can tell. Um, I am a parent too, so I'm like constantly thinking about all these moments that are happening for you, how I'm going to respond thanks <laughs> to your mother's reaction. So... 
every country, every culture, uh, maybe even every state has a very different relationship to drag. Uh, we've interviewed people from uh, Asia at large or more specifically focused in Thailand or Malaysia. And they obviously have a very different relationship to the art form being separate to gender or sexuality. Back in the day, most Aussies' idea of what a drag queen was was like Dane Edna, I guess, or uh, there weren't like a ton of really fabulous examples. And so I'm just interested, and this is a, maybe a little too nerdy, but in the drag community now, there is a conversation around drag being a beautiful, safe place to explore gender. It's for some people, that's a humongous part of it. And for other queens, not at all. It is pure art form and expression. And they they love the man that they started being when they started drag. I'm interested specifically through the lens of coming out. When you talk to people about being a drag queen, does that come back to you? Do people say that? Like, do you want to be a woman? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes out within not within my own circles, you know, all, all my people are like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. But whenever I have to tell someone, like, for example, if I tell an Uber driver that I'm a drag queen, because I used to hide it, but I don't care anymore. Like, even like my favorite thing is like when you come back into the country and have to write your job, I'm like, drag queen. Yes. But it's like where I often get interrogated like that from strangers who have no idea about the drag world. Or for many, many years, my main income were hen's parties. And every Saturday, I do like three or four hens parties. And that's just walking to a, a room of strangers, like, you know, up to 100 strangers. And I'm stuck with them for an hour. Yeah. I won't say stuck. It was a wonderful experience. <laughs> um, Make that coin. But within that hour, you know, you'd have to turn a room of strangers into your best friend. And one thing that um, I would do in every single hens party is a drag queen Q&A. And a lot of other events I do too. And that question just always would come up. It'd be like, so do you want to be a woman? Are you a woman? Underneath all this makeup, are you a lady? Is this because you want to be a lady? Mm. So I think that is, it's it's not, you know, a stretch of the imagination to think that that's where people's minds go initially, or at least used to. I mean, it's such a shame. I'm not a shame, but I live in my own bubble still. Like, like I've surrounded myself with so many like-minded people that, you know, know what's going on, um, especially within the drag world. But that's where those hens parties and things like that would actually expose me to people that may have just seen drag through Priscilla or may have just seen a, an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. And I would never be offended. I, I loved every single group that I got to meet because I got to, to a degree, educate them and teach them and mm. let them know about what drag is and what drag is becoming and what drag can be, you know. My favorite thing is, like, one of these ladies would be like, well, I want to be a drag queen. I said, well, you can be. Mm. Anyone can do drag. And just helping to broaden people's ideas and interpretations of what drag can be. It's exciting. Obviously, there's a new generation of drag queens who have started purely because of the show, purely mm -hmm. because of RuPaul. Uh, and so they're learning to love what is now a cultural phenomenon. But when you were getting started way back in high school, it just wasn't so easy. You couldn't just like chalk on a wig and make a full-time living. And I'm sure it wasn't as easy to come out to people. Whereas now you say you're a drag queen, specifically within our community. And it's like, yes, you are. You must be rich. Are you going to go on RuPaul's Drag? There's like a script that people have. Well, yeah, so I mean, it's, it's different because going back to like what mom was worried about, it's like, can you make a living? But now it's like, oh, well, now there's all these amazing famous drag queens, it's something to aspire to be. Mm -hmm. But it's different to come out as being a drag queen when the only thing they know about a drag queen is like 
a you know, a drunk bitch with a um, pint of beer standing in the back corner of a gay bar being like, hello, love, when yeah. I come around. <laughs> so it's a very different world now. Even in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, it's just completely changed. I am a big fan. Um, and so when you watch the television show, not only do you get to see art in drag, you also get to see art out of drag. And so your face whether this is good or bad, is incredibly well-known in our community and anyone in the fan in and out of drag. I imagine back in the day when you were doing it, it was like, I can show up to work, this is Art Simone, and then I can leave. Has that been problematic for you? Because you basically can't like not be out? Because I'm telling you, everyone knows your face and everyone knows your bright-colored hair and everyone knows that smile. Yeah, look, I used to, even when I was working as a drag queen in gay bars, I used to even be able to go out to a gay bar and people not know who I am. And that was wonderful because it was freeing. But, you know, I don't want to sound critical of, um, you know, my newfound fame and recognizability. Mm. But, you know, I wouldn't be lying if I said it It doesn't, hasn't added an extra layer of, you know, I, I'm a lot more of an introvert these days. And it's not because I don't appreciate it and I don't love it, but it's because sometimes... I just don't have the energy. <laughs> like, because it, like, and I've had all different versions of reactions when people, they either one expect me to be like, hello, anyway, oh, so nice to meet you, let's do something. Um, or they want to have a chat about something that happened on a television show like 18 months ago and their opinion on it. Or they want to tell me their deepest, darkest, like, fears. And, or, you know, sometimes I was. <laughs> I was followed around Spotlight the other night by this lady that had her sister on a on a on the phone, and the sister wanted to talk no. to me, and I was like, "Darling," <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. So it, it it has been hard, not hard. It's just been a new way to navigate life. But at the end of the day, I love it. It's it's quite camp though. It's quite like even though sometimes I'm like, not today. Like I was flying back from Sydney on. Sunday morning after working the night before and I was, you know, a little bit, little bit seedy and a little bit, and I, I, you know, when I travel, I've got like a mask on and I wear a cap so you can't see my hair so I can just go through, but through security I have to take my hat off, and as soon as I took it off, the guy was like, I know you, and I was like Damn it. He's like, yes, hello, that's me. He's like, my wife is going to be so excited when I tell her that I saw Art Simone. And I, was, and I was like, you know what? That's quite fab. He gets to go home and he's like, hey, I had a good day because I saw that blue-haired boy. <laughs> I was really interested because I thought it's a rare opportunity to talk to someone because we all get to wear masks. We, I mean, we're all in drag all the time, mm -hmm. but you, as a professional performer, I always imagined before the fame, you know, could kind of blend back into society and then the show happens. And so it's like, that's the downside. The positive side is go back to the very beginning of this conversation and your mom just wanted you to be happy and successful and holy shit, oh, you should did it see, happen. <laughs> you should see if I'm ever out with mom and I get recognized and she's like, yes, this is Art Simone. Yes, I'm her mom. <laughs> it's, so, it's so good. She, she loves it more than I do. It's so fabulous. You um, just got to call her and remind her, if I was a scientist, this never would have happened. <laughs> she even has this badge she wears and it's like, Art Simone's proud mother and it has the full like progress pride flag on it and she'll wear that when she's selling merch or when she's out at events and things because she loves it. She oh, loves it. 
And it's I love so good. it. For <laughs> and people who are listening, because we actually have a lot of young listeners. Yes. And a lot of the questions we get are around like, I'm worried my parents aren't going to accept me. A show like this, conversations like this are, are about hope as much as they're about education. And like, this is possible. Like, look at this exact story. Your mm-hmm. mom could be at your meet and greet selling merch. <laughs> be careful what you wish for is what I say. <laughs> I think the perfect place to stop then is thinking back on your journey, specifically as a young person. There are a lot of people who are like really struggling. Should I come out? I'm worried about talking to my parents. We have such a great relationship. I'm interested in what you would say to that young art. Like, what do you wish someone had said to you back then? You know, I'm someone that doesn't look back and go, what could I have done differently? Or I wish something happened in a different manner because I'm one of those people where I appreciate every single path and, you know, turn my life has taken because I wouldn't be exactly where I am now if it wasn't for that. So I don't think I needed to be told anything. I think I think I had it pretty damn good and I think it would be rude of me to ask or wish that something different had been said. You know, the only thing, and I've said it before, <laughs> that I wish I'd go tell myself and that is, Leave your retainer on. Don't take it off because your teeth are going to move. I think that's the only one thing that I have so much regret about was being like, oh, I don't need to wear my retainer. Yeah, you did, love. And your mum spent a lot of money on those beautiful teeth of yours and now they're all a bit cronk- wonky now. So wear your retainer, you silly person. <laughs> you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen and babies. If people want to find you, where on the internet can they find you? Oh, just search Art Simone. And, you know, the first suggested thing is, why did she come back? I don't know. But, um, <laughs> you know, just search Art Simone. I'll pop up in there. You can find me on Instagram, on the TikToks, look at a whip thought, all those fun things. Amazing. Or just look out for a blue-haired boy bobbling along at the airport and, um, you know, way from afar. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for telling your story, being honest, uh, being compassionate, open. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay, we are back. How are you going? How are you feeling? If this episode left you wanting more information about our wonderful LGBTQIA plus alphabet, then you should check out Minus 18. They're Australia's LGBTQIA plus charity. They have heaps of resources on their website and they run trainings for workplaces and classrooms. Minus 18 are on all socials at minus18youth and their website is minus18.org.au. But Minus 18 isn't a helpline. So if you're looking for support, you can call QLife on 1-800-184-527 for free every day from 3 p.m. till midnight. If you're feeling anxious and not up to talking on the phone, they also have web chat at qlife.org.au. Lifeline is also available 24 hours a day for crisis support and suicide prevention. Their number is 13 11 14. If you want to be a part of the Come Out Wherever You Are community, you can slide into our DMs on Instagram at Come Out Wherever You Are. You can also follow me at Sean Zeps. That's S-E-A-N-S-Z-E-P-S. Come Out Wherever You Are is presented by me, Sean Zeps. Our lovely producer is... Lindsay Green. Our executive producer is... Lemma Zaharia. And we can't forget our audio producer... Chris Marsh. See you soon.